Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Hello, all my favorite listeners. Thanks for tuning into Reveal again this week. Today, we're actually bringing you something a little special and unique. We're taking you back to our live event, Celebrate 20, which was our annual conference, all hells virtually, of course, um, on October 14th of this year. We had some amazing sessions. Uh, For those of you who tuned in live, thanks for being there. Uh, For those of you who didn't, we hope to see you live at the next one. Um, But regardless, one of my favorite sessions from the entire day was the panel with uh, these amazing CRO leaders. Uh, and you know we were fortunate enough to have Todd Barnett of Drift, Jane Kim of Circle CI, and our own Ryan Longfield of Gong. Um, and this in this pretty lively conversation, you'll hear them talk all about how sales is changing, how they're setting their teams up for success, and where they think this new reality is headed in the future. So, Sit back, enjoy this chat with these three amazing sales leaders, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again. Hey, everyone. Welcome. My name is Ryan Longfield. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer here at Gong, and I'd like to welcome you to our CRO Fireside Chat, and it's titled, Will Sales Ever Look the Same? So we are going to dig into a lot of the monumental shifts that we've seen in 2020. I think we can all agree that it's been a crazy year. And uh, a lot of the things that are going on just generally in our world have, of course, impacted our craft, how we're leading our teams and what the future holds for sales. And so I'm going to dig in with a, uh, a phenomenal panel of CROs from some leading companies. First, I'd like to introduce Jane Kim. She is the CRO of Circle CI. Jane, hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for, uh, thanks for the invite. It's great to be here. Good. Before I introduce Todd, would you just tell us a little bit about you and your background? Yes, absolutely. So I'm Chief Revenue Officer at CircleCI. And for those who aren't familiar with CircleCI, we are a continuous integration and delivery platform for software development teams. So we automate the build, test, and deploy for development teams so that they can focus on shipping quality code faster and with greater confidence. As CRO at CircleCI, I'm ultimately responsible for the revenue that we generate. And we have an interesting hybrid model uh, that combines both a freemium model, so anybody can use our platform for free for as long as they like to, um, and they can swipe a credit card for a paid plan. Um, That combined with a more traditional sales model. So I lead our global sales and customer success teams, um, but fundamentally I see my role as enabling and empowering my teams to be successful. And then Todd Barnett is also on our panel here, CRO of Drift. Todd, can you tell us a little bit about what you're up to today at Drift and uh, and what you did before prior? 
Yeah, so I've been at Drift uh, just over five months. Um, our CEO actually wrote a pretty interesting article about hiring a CRO in the midst of a pandemic and then transforming your entire business in the middle of uh, the, the craziness we've been in. So we've been up to a lot here, and I'll, I'll probably get into more of that later. Um, I've been I've been in sales for 23 years. I was a CRO at a company called Confluent, which uh, a very successful uh, startup in the Bay Area, and then before that, uh, another Boston company. So it's been interesting to do this uh, whole pandemic in the middle of not only uh, being a new CRO at this company, but a company that's based in Boston. Uh, so we have most of our go-to-market functions in the Bay Area, but it's been uh, we've been using a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of tools to make this work. Well, uh, no pressure about the whole transforming your entire business in the midst of a pandemic. No, it's super <laughs> easy. Yeah, super easy. <laughs> Just a layup there. Yeah. All right. So as we dive in and we, we kick things off talking about will sales ever be the same, I think it probably is a good starting point to just talk about what has shifted so far as we have done the role of a CRO. So whether it's related to your priorities or the way you manage your team, like what are some of the themes that you've seen shifting around as we've navigated this kind of like unprecedented changes this year? Um, maybe we could start with you, Jane. Oh, I think the question is what hasn't changed um, in the course of this pandemic? Um, I mean, for our team alone, so we have at CircleCI, we have uh, five offices across three different regions. And actually, Todd, we're also, we have an office that's also based in Boston. And um, so not we've already had a pretty distributed model. Um, and then you put on top of that, um, the fact that everyone is now remote has, was just a huge shift. And it was one that we had to make, you know, really in an instant. Um, and so really, how do we stay on top of those changes was something that was pretty dramatic. I'm really unbelievably proud of my team for uh, really just stepping into that unknown and figuring out ways of staying connected. So making sure, especially within my org, making sure my managers were well equipped to handle um, the fact that now their teams weren't around them physically, but were in different locations. Uh, so the team model and how do we stay connected? How do we stay on top of our work? Our customers have also changed. Um, and I'm hoping this is a topic that we can dive into as well. And so one other thing that was um, really hard to stay on top of was not only understanding what was changing for us, but what was changing for our customers, right? Because we weren't the only ones working remote. Our customers were as well. And so really trying to dive underneath and understand what was changing for our customers so we can help them through that change uh, was something that we really had to stay on top of. So. I'd say at first, our priority was just react, just react, try to make sure we're not putting our heads in the sand, making sure we can stay you know, on our toes, both for our teams and for our customers. And then more recently, our priorities have been, okay, these changes are likely permanent. There's something here that is going to lead to some level of transformation. So let's really try to understand what that transformation is and basically do what we can to partner with our customers and with our teams to accelerate that transformation because we think that there's going to be um, a better way of working, a better way of connecting after all of this. Something you said in there really struck me, which was, I think that when we think about the way that field selling has changed, you know, clearly the first thing that you think of is inside sales managers can't rub shoulders with their reps anymore because they're disconnected. And then field reps can't go on site and, and kind of run that play that they've always run and kind of relied upon for years. And so those are some of the costs, but I haven't heard um, two things as much, which I think you touched on both. One is like the buyer centric version, 
which is like, what's changed for your buyer and how is that going to inform the way you change your selling process? So we'd love to come back to that in a moment. Um, and then, uh, and then the other one is like, what are the advantages that come out of this? You know, I think like anytime we feel change, we get hit in the face with change that's unexpected. You always feel the costs first, but then in the long run, you're like, oh, I didn't expect all of these advantages to come for it. And, and I think there's an interesting conversation for us to have is like, what will we end up being better for because of some of the, the change that we've been forced to incur during this time? So hopefully we can dig into some of that stuff. But Todd, uh, kick it over to you. What, do you what, have, what have you experienced in terms of change in your org and how you guys adapt? Yeah, so Drift was a company which was fairly different. I, I've built remote teams most of my career, but Drift was a company that fundamentally didn't believe you should hire anywhere but in an office. Um, we have a very young team. Um, I think we did stats were 92% millennial or like Gen Z in our company, which is which is a bit insane. Um, and so the belief was everybody has to be in the same office uh, in order to be successful. So I came in right at the beginning of sort of this transformation. And, you know, it was interesting because on top of the pandemic, everybody working from home, we're also in this complete transformation as a company, uh, which is to essentially move up market and into a, an enterprise selling motion. We, uh, have made some big changes around that. And um, so it's been it's been interesting to watch that as we're on this mission to kind of move from what was perceived as a tool that sat on your website into a platform, um, we saw that, you know, essentially we are in the middle of make money. So people buy for two reasons, right? Either make money or save money. And if we're in the middle of that, and then every one of these back to the customer point, every one of our customers no longer have the steak dinners, the events, the field uh, teams out selling. And if digital transformation is truly 10Xing in, in one year, so 10 years of digital transformation in one year, what does that mean for our customers and their business? And so we see people that are either trying to figure out how they double down on the momentum they have because of the work from home and the you know, move to the cloud and, and that side of the business or that side of the facts, I guess, that are happening in their business. So it's been, it's been uh, really interesting to sort of watch in this transformation. So it's been challenging. It's been uh, amazing to watch how customers are basically realigning their business. And we've been sort of in the middle of that to help them realize that, you know, effectively they have 100,000, 50,000 people on their website that are all prospects, that are all looking for some kind of information how do you engage them in a deeper way? How do you take interested parties and get them to a conversation with your customer as quickly as possible? And so, or with your, with your team as quickly as possible. So it's been, uh, it's been interesting to watch that acceleration for some customers. They're either doubling down or they're on the other side of it, which is my pipeline and my qualified pipeline is dwindling and I'm not sure how to build that. And these are entirely new channels that we have to go through. So it's been, uh, it's been fun to have those conversations and to truly understand the the, uh, the challenges that our customers are going through, uh, both in acceleration or deacceleration, and how do they fix the problems that they have as a result of COVID. Jane, I know you're passionate about buyer-centric selling and, and being immersed in the buying experience. Do you want to share a little bit about what that's looked like for you guys, anything that's changed in the, in the newer environment? Yes, absolutely. So our model is a little bit more of a land and expand. So we... 
um, and we typically work with um, different teams within a within an engineering organization, um, and ultimately, you know, drive that level of adoption to expand the account and expand our footprint within that account. And so, what we found though is that I mean, it's always been a goal of ours is to make sure that even if we're starting with a smaller team at an account. So we're really doing what we can to engage with the senior stakeholders and make sure that isn't just a singular tooling decision that 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 company is making, but that it, it's an investment um, for something that they're going to expand into, um, you know, over the longer term. And so accelerating that touch points into the senior stakeholders and into multiple teams um, just got a little bit harder in uh, in the current environment. Um, and so I love actually what Todd said around the messaging and how you communicate. And so one of the things that we really did was really dive more deeply into messaging, into our personas. We did a whole reevaluation of our profiles just to make sure that we were having uh, content and messaging that was really resonating with the current challenges that each of our stakeholders at our accounts were really dealing with. And so really focusing on messaging um, and making sure we're getting into those right touch points with the right people, uh, not just the right accounts, was, um, was a really big focus from the very beginning. I think the other thing that uh, we really saw was changing is um, same thing the way, you know, I think, Todd, the way you, you put it in terms of how people are really engaging is changing. Um, you know, our, our customers as well with their engineering teams, we're seeing that you know, they also, as they have more distributed, more remote teams, are really focusing on productivity as something that's really important to them, especially as they think about, okay, our business model is now pivoting. Our, we have to accelerate now the, um, the product roadmap, or we have to accelerate the development of, you know, product B and C, not in, in addition to product A. And so making sure that our customers are not only holding on to productivity, but actually accelerating that is something that we are we are doubling down into. And so both trying to change how um, our customers are shifting the conversation in terms of how they engage with us, right? We're making sure we get to those right stakeholders, but that we have a value proposition and a message that really resonates um, for the challenges that they have today. So um, we've re-examined all of that um, as we think about both who our customers are and how they engage with us. Um, so that's been a huge effort over the last six months, um, in addition to just trying to stay on top of pipeline and accounts and hiring and everything else you typically do um, in, a, in a growing company. Yeah, one of the one of the things just related to the buyer that that I've been thinking about and we're implementing in our sales process just related to the stuff that's going on in the world is it feels like things are so chaotic right now. That if you think about just kind of like the psychology of a buyer, there's only so much complexity that you can handle as an individual. And, and when you're getting your max you know, quotient for that uh, from the world <laughs> and, and a pandemic and uh, intense racial justice issues in our nation and, you know, being forced to work in an environment at home where maybe you're not set up for, I mean, there's just so much going on for people that I think it's almost like the compassionate way to sell these days is to try to make their buying experience as simple as humanly possible. Like, let me make this buying experience for you just feel like, you know, I'm answering questions that you have over the horizon before you ask them. Let me make things feel simple in terms of the deployment and like all that stuff. And so I think simplicity of message, simplicity of like the experience of what it looks like to buy and helping them feel really confident about the decisions they're making when things elsewhere don't feel as confident, I think is a really 
important thing for us also to be thinking about as sales leaders right now. Absolutely, Ryan. Actually, that really resonates um, and something that we think a lot about. Uh, a lot of our customers are coming to us with changes in their valuation timeline, to their budgets, to even the, the decision makers who have to sign off. And rather than creating more friction into their yeah. process, because right now we're talking about typically terms that would be part of an approvals process or an exceptions process um, in a normal deal cycle, um, you know, things like, uh, you know, shortening contract terms would usually come across my plate uh, to weigh in on. And rather than creating more friction, you know, one of the things I'm challenging my team to think about is how can we change, how can we change our perspective, the things that are challenging rather than turning them into friction for our customers, how can we use them to our advantage to make it easier for them? Um, how can we not put, you know, blockers that, oh, I need to bring my manager into this conversation, but can we offer them multiple opportunities or multiple ways of getting to that flexibility or um, that adoption that they need right now? Um, so that is absolutely something that we're talking about. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's interesting. I mean, I, we, we have, I guess, maybe the, the opposite situation because we are moving up market and I, I love what you guys are saying, but I think for us, what we've noticed is that in the midst of this pandemic, the budgets have all moved up, right? I mean, many times where they, you know, CMOs had budget to throw at something or somebody in their team did, these conversations are now happening at the, C at the CEO and, and CFO level uh, within a lot of the companies that we're selling to. So we've actually had more access, I would say, to the C-levels than we maybe ever have before because they want to sit down and have a business conversation because make money is so much more important than maybe it was before. Um, if they had lots of different mechanisms for, you know, for selling, they had complex selling motions, they had field, they had inside sales, they had all these different things. And so for us, it's been a little bit, maybe a little bit different. And I, I guess at some level, um, it's helped us align the value that we add to the right executives and then partnering together with them on how we actually get to the objective that we're actually, you know, agreed upon before we go into the deal. So we had this, we had this motion before that was very much, you know, land and expand. And now as we're moving into understanding that we have a platform that sort of fundamentally affects people's revenue, we need to make sure we're aligned with the CRO. So for instance, you know, we've, we've traditionally sold to marketing. Now we're finding that in this new revenue age, sales and marketing actually have to come together. It can't be, you know, people complaining that marketing isn't giving enough leads or, you know, the, the traditional things that happen inside of a lot of, you know, B2B SaaS companies. And so we've seen that alignment that people are starting to align their, um, their objectives internally around the goal, which is how do we get to the revenue numbers and how we do the right thing for our customer. And that's sales, marketing, customer success, all coming together to do that. But we have to have commitment from the customer in some of this transformational time at, a, at the right level. And many times it's a C-level that requires that. So we've sort of moved in a bit of an opposite direction, maybe. And maybe it's maybe it makes it a little bit harder up front, but it ensures our success long term um, and the customer's success, more importantly, when they have visibility into the decisions that their teams are making that maybe was made outside of that um, uh, outside of that, that sea levels knowledge before. So it's been interesting switch for us from that perspective. And it's actually 
unexpected, I guess, at some level that uh, that that would happen in the midst of all all this pandemic. Yeah, I think the I think the uh, the flavor of of what has has become, you know, some companies are getting tailwinds uh, from this and aspects of this that are serving as like plays right into their value proposition. I think I think no matter what the company is trying to figure out how you pivot quickly, enable your teams rapidly and like equip them for how the conversation has changed and the sales process has changed is something that we're all wrestling around with. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Is there anything related to either remote onboarding or remote enablement more broadly that you feel like you've leaned upon during this time to help your organization stay agile and responding in real time to the things that are going on? So maybe Jane, you can kick us off. Anything there that, uh, that you think is interesting? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been uh, been an interesting uh, experience, I think, for a lot of our new hires. Um, you know, our, our typical process is you come to headquarters for, um, for a period of time to go through your onboarding. You meet a lot of different people. You build those connections. Um, you know, I have huge credit to my team for um, really having, we had actually revamped and reinvested in our onboarding experience. Um, actually, a few months even before the pandemic started. So we had a great foundation to then shift that over to how do we then uh, onboard somebody from uh, from a remote location? Um, and so, and actually, we actually just finished up just a couple weeks ago, our very first ever remote revenue kickoff uh, across sales, customer success, globally marketing, um, and our solutions and uh, customer engineering teams. And so... That definitely was an interesting experience. Um, and so one thing that we've really thought about was how can we have uh, more bite-sized amount of content? Um, it isn't just about sitting in a you know, two-week lock-in of um, you know, training video after training video, but really thinking about the type of information that each role would need when they need it. Um, and thinking about how we build space for integration. How do they learn content? Uh, synthesize and, and then integrate that into their day-to-day. Um, and so we've been playing around with how do we have it be much more rolling, on-demand, um, you know, making sure our information is as um, organized and findable as easily as possible. And so it then isn't about a window of time that you onboard. It's about how do you then integrate your learning across, you know, a various, a, you know, a lot of different disciplines. Like we have a very technical product. And so for us, usually it isn't just onboarding and learning sort of the commercial skills, but it's also learning a lot of the product skills as well. Um, And so that's been a real shift. Um, You know, I think one thing that we're still trying to figure out is how do we create that team bonding? Um, I think within teams, it's really great. Um, I think our managers have done a really great job of ensuring that you know, they have enough time with their teams that they are building in sort of that connection. But we want to make sure that those connections are built, uh, not just across the West team or the SMB sales team, but across the SDRs with the CSMs, with marketing. Um, and we're still working through that, but um, those are definitely the focus areas for us. One of the things I, I love that you mentioned um is not doing necessarily the same thing that you do now that your medium is different. You know, it's like, uh, sellers are all facing this thing. I think Todd mentioned it earlier about like, I can't do the steak dinner, you know? And so like, what do I do? 
And so they like send them some wine and then have like a wine hangout or something like that. It's like, yeah, that works. It's a good idea. I like it. But it's the same thing that you're doing in person that you're just trying to change the medium to. Like, can't we get more creative than that as to like, okay, so what are some unique ways that we can do this that fits the, fits the, the uh, again, the medium that we're using? And I love your comment about, you know, not having just a global sales kickoff or a, a kickoff where it's like, you do the two-day thing, you know, and it's eight hours straight a day and you just have your sessions and all. It's, it can't be the same because you're not sitting in a big room together, like feeling each other's energy and all that. So like trying to get more creative about how we do onboarding and how we do enablement and how we do our kickoffs to not try to just reproduce the same thing that we do in person because it just doesn't, it's different. You got you to gotta problem solve it differently. So I love that. Todd, how about you? Anything on the enablement front that you guys have been investing in in order to stay agile and be rapid in terms of your your uh, response to the market and getting ahead of it? Yeah. I mean, in the middle of all this, we, we actually just hired 45 days ago a VP of sales enablement. Um, the company, our enablement was lacking and our onboarding. We sort of like threw people to the, to the fire and, and hoped for the best. And so um, there's some tools that we're putting in place. There's products like Saleshood and others that actually help with that agile aspect where you can, you know, literally somebody can walk out of a meeting, you know, now a virtual meeting and say, hey, I just had this experience. Um, this is how I responded to it. Does anybody else have any input? It goes into a central place where people can add input. And there's a lot of interaction in these these sort of sales enablement, like maybe true sales enablement tools. So in the midst of, you know, looking at budgets and trying to figure all these things out, we pri reprioritize some things. And, and this is one of those things that we prioritized for that, for that sake, uh, for the sake of, of enablement and, and interaction. I think one of the other things we're trying to do is we're trying to like create, and this sounds pretty basic, but like the buddy system with those that have been here and, and like own the culture that they have that inherent in their DNA. Um, those that work together in the offices and making sure as new people are coming in that you're actually, pairing those folks together, both obviously for help in their enablement, like how do you do this? Where do I find that? But also to make sure that the, the culture is being shared. Um, I think some of that some of that happens one-on-one. -on -one. And then we do some things at Drift that are probably pretty unique to pull everybody together and it's company-wide. On Monday mornings, we have what they call Monday morning metrics, which is at 6.30 in the morning Pacific time, <laughs> which is always a nice way to wake up on Monday morning. and. You know, literally the top four groups, you know, that go to market talk about, you know, basically here's the things that we're tracking against. You know, it's not just how we're tracking, it's a number, but all the leading indicators that marketing might have, CS. And it's an interesting way to kick off the week, knowing what we did the week before. And then at the end of the week, we actually used to do this in person. Now we do it virtually, which is show and tell, where somebody from every organization comes in and gives a lightning five minute talk on something that they learned. You know, we have, we have, uh, this really aligns with our values um, to make sure that people are sharing, you know, very honestly about the things that they're struggling with or things that they've, they've learned or things that they struggle with and got better at. And so it, it really is an interesting way, a nice way to end the week to kind of, and, it, and it's not related necessarily to the metrics, but you get those two bookends on either side as an entire company. And it starts to help you, you know, especially for me, I, I literally have yet to meet uh, any of the other executive staff um, uh, in the company. And, and so I, but I've gotten to know people, I think really well in the midst of, you know, everything that's been going on. And I think part of that is because you see the personalities and things come out. 
We also do like a, like a, what we call a mentor series. So we either have people from our board. I just did it a couple of weeks ago, just so people can get to know, especially somebody new and, you know, learn from them. And, and so we do it, you know, with, with different executives, but you can do that within your own teams as well. You know, have, have one of your best reps join a different segment, a different group, and just let people ask questions and, and interact. I think we've gotten a lot out of those kinds of things, um, in, in, which is outside of like formal onboarding, but maybe some of the most important nuggets are shared in those situations as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, uh, it actually bridges into the, the last topic I was hoping to discuss before we wrap really well. Um, and that is the very important topic of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And um, you were just speaking to the belonging element, which is like, how do you move people on from just being an employee to feeling like they really fit in the organization? They have a couple of people, at least a couple of people in the org that like are, they feel close to, they feel like they can be themselves. And all of this to, you know, get, get, get their, the best work that they can possibly do because they're in a place where they're doing really well and thriving in your environment. I'm kind of interested is like, has anything changed uh, in the ways that you guys have thought about DEI in this time? And are there any kind of tidbits that you've given uh, or you could give out to the, to the world about how you're doing this really well in your organization, some wins that you have in this area? So Jane, you want to kick us off there? Uh, if it's okay, actually, I would love to hear what Todd has to say first. Sure. Cool. Thank you. Um, you know, it's interesting. Drift is is very active uh, in this in this topic, and and frankly, was way before um, you know the, the sort of latest uh, the latest time that we've been in. And so, one of the things that we talk about is you know being the new face of corporate America, and you know Drift Drift is a company that internally has stated goals of being, for instance, 50% female. Um, I, I don't know any other company that I've ever worked for or around that, that has these kind of, you know, internally stated goals. And so this comes from a, a very personal place for our founders. You know, we have two Latinx founders that came from, you know, literally, if you hear their stories, you, you, you might even tear up about what they've been through in their lives to get to where they are. And the opportunities that the right people gave them along the way in order to create, um, you know, two phenomenal human beings that have done amazing things, right, in this world. And so they, they take it very personally and, and they, I would say that they fight for it, um, which maybe is a, maybe people don't, don't like that word, but you, you do have to actually fight. I think you have to fight for it because it's hard. Um, it's hard to do well. And um, it's been interesting for us because I think, you know, we, we bring a lot of folks in that we want to develop, but we also want to bring people in that are experienced, right? And you, and you have to look at both sides of that equation. Um, but I think people see in our organization that it's a place they want to be and they feel included because they can see that literally, you know, it, regardless of your heritage or anything else, you can be like the CEO of a company. You can be the CTO of a company. You can be one of the smartest people that everybody respects in, in an entire field and create a new market. And so for us, um, I will say that the movement away from, you know, you have to have an office in Boston and San Francisco, and we actually created an office in Tampa, which actually gave us a whole different set, you know, particularly on the Latin, from the Latinx perspective to actually be able to, you know, bring people into to that office and develop that diversity has been, um, has been really effective for us. And then now that we're hiring remotely, it gives us a lot more flexibility 
Um, and, you know, we, we are very strong at how we goal our recruiters, you know, how we, the programs we put in place. Um, you look at like our founder, Elias, he's very active on LinkedIn and he talks about these things, I think in a very balanced way, but from a place that he's very passionate about. And so, you know, we've, we've, we've had in some cases sort of a better opportunity to meet our goals with, with the shift and the change. Um, and they're very aggressive, like they're very lofty. And I don't think, you know, most organizations are willing to even to even state those. It's kind of scary for people to make those statements. But, you know, we're we're on a mission and um, it's been it's been it's been amazing for me. I can say that I've learned a lot personally, um, having built enterprise sales teams most of my career. Um, you know, I it was very difficult to build really diverse teams. And with this organization, We've been so much more successful at it, even in the short time I've been here, and um, so it's been it's been really really cool for me to to be part of that and to learn from from that passion and that place of of experience uh, that our founders had when they created the company. That is really great. I mean, I echo a lot of what you just said, Todd. I mean, for me personally, as a Korean American woman in a C level position. Uh, there weren't a lot of people who looked like me as I was building my career. And so I think, uh, so how we build really diverse teams where we have, um, we're providing, you know, equal opportunities. Um, and for us as a company, actually, our focuses are on D, E, I, and B. So diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, we think they all are interconnected um, and really, um, you know, focusing on all four of them to build the highest caliber team um, where people can really be uh, their authentic self, which enables them to do their best work. Um, we also are very much of a values driven organization, um, you know, supporting uh, our DEIB efforts is core to our values. Um, and we really take our, our role as a maker developer tools. Um, we take that role seriously in that we have an opportunity to shape and influence how people do work. Um, and so, you know, I also agree with Todd and I believe Ryan, you all are doing the same thing at Gong, really using this as an opportunity to look at different locations. How can we use the way that we work today in a very remote distributed way to continue to build, attract you know, the highest caliber talent that we possibly can, uh, tapping into, you know, diverse talent pools. Um, you know, those are all things that we're also focused on as well um, and excited to continue to build. I think making sure that we also, one of the other things that we're really, really building is uh, making sure we have very clear career opportunities for growth and development um, so that, you know, we're not just building uh you know, we're not just bringing, we're not just focused on bringing people externally, but building the opportunities that get people excited to join Circle CI, and um, you know, really get on that leadership track. Uh, so, you know, those are all f efforts that we're focused on. Um, I think there's still so much more that we can continue to do. Those are actually those are the those are the the real areas of investment that I'm excited about, especially as we think about our planning and growing our team over the next 12 months. Yeah. Yeah, the the as you were both speaking, uh, this this memory of back um, a couple months ago, it was it was um, uh, it was one of the days where um, the protests in the street of San Francisco was especially kind of intense, and I had this conversation with one of our BDRs 
who hit me up on Slack and just said, Hey, can I talk to you for five minutes? And I was like, sure, you know, always available. So we get on, we get on and she basically said like, I'm having a really hard time making cold calls right now. Uh, my heart is wrenched for what's going on in the world. I can hear chaos in the streets. And quite frankly, I want to be out there too, like supporting, supporting the efforts that are going on in the street. Um, and, uh, and it was like, it was this really like, uh, impactful moment for me of just like backing out and being like, life is happening for people in a bunch of different ways. And we're all experiencing the things that we're going through right now in very different ways. And just like having that kind of like org wide, uh, value for compassion and even space in our organizations to be able to engage, like as we enter into an election season, you know, it's going to be like, there's things going on in the world and how in our organizations are we making room for the important things that happen in life uh, related to diversity, equity, inclusion uh, and beyond? Um, you know, like how do we make space for people to engage those issues while we're also doing really important stuff at work? It's like it's both, you know, and the person was like, this stuff feels like it's way more important than the stuff that I'm doing here. How do I care? And it was like a great like life tension moment. And, uh, and so I think, yeah, like you said, Jane, we're trying to make, we're trying to make headway in our programs. We're trying to make headway in our recruiting. We're always, we're also just trying to make headway one-on-one, -on -one, you know, doing compassionate life with one another. So I think it's super important and uh, super relevant for the things that are going on in the world right now. Well, we are over time. Uh, I wanted to thank you both, Todd and Jane, for spending the half an hour or so with me and with us. Uh, thanks for sharing some of your wisdom and your nuggets from, from years of learning in this crazy sales craft that we're in. And I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you so much, Todd. Yeah, thank you, Jane. It was great to hear from your perspective and, and Ryan as well. It's great to meet you guys. We want to hear from you. You know, it's kind of funny being in this podcast world. We get to talk and talk and yap and yap, and hopefully you're enjoying some parts of it. And I'm sure there's some parts that we can be doing better. I'm sure you also have some guests in mind that you'd love to see featured on Reveal. Let us know. Shoot us an email at reveal at gong.io. And Devin and I read every single email that we receive. We appreciate you taking the time to send us a shout out, a thank you, a feedback or suggestion. We love it all. Uh, so again, shoot us a note, reveal at gong.io. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.